You are now listening to The Perfect Prana with Kaya Ann. What's poppin'? What's good? Hello, my friends. Welcome to The Perfect Prana Show on 88.1 FM WCRX Saturdays and Sundays, also available on Apple and Spotify. I'm your host, Kaya Ann, and also a girl who's obsessed with yoga. So if you love yoga, this is the perfect place to be. And if you do not love yoga, this is still the perfect place to be. So we have a great show ahead of us, Yoga News, where I talk about what's going on in the world of yoga. Yoga Heals, where I bring on a very special guest, usually another yoga instructor, and talk to them about their practice And the weekly wellness challenge where we get to practice self-improvement because if we improve ourselves, we improve the collective, right? (laughs) But before I get into all of that, let's just take this moment to center ourselves, to just go inward, find a little zen, if you know what I mean. So no matter where you're at, you're driving in your car, You're laying down, you're sitting on the couch, you're walking your pets. It doesn't really matter. Just take this moment to breathe, to focus on our breath, to focus on our prana. Prana, translating to breath, as in the breath of life, our energy source. You get what I'm saying? (laughs) So, first I'd like us to lengthen out our spines whether you're sitting down sit up nice and tall or if you're laying you know lengthen out your spine just creating a nice even line of energy from your tailbone to your crown relaxing your shoulders creating space between your shoulders and your ears lengthening your neck And then imagine with each breath, your spine grows longer. Soften your face, your jaw, your eyebrows. Maybe soften your gaze or close your eyes, depending on your circumstance. Depending on your circumstance and feel stillness wash over your entire body. Notice as your entire body is still, the parts that are still moving, the subtle blinks in your eyes, the movement of your belly, and just notice the movement that is in our life. And then take a deep inhale through your nose, fill up your belly like a balloon. And then exhale with stillness, let out a sigh like (sighs) cooling in your belly. Take a deep inhale through your nose, right into your belly, filling up your rib cage and in your lungs. And then exhale, emptying out your throat, letting out that sigh, emptying out your chest, your rib cage, and then your belly. Take a deep inhale through your nose, 
Imagine the breath or the energy traveling through your entire body, traveling up your spine, traveling to each part of your body that needs attention and nourishment. And then exhale, let out that sigh. Relaxing into your body, finding comfort. Take one more deep inhale with me through your nose. Filling all the way up. And take an even longer exhale. Sighing and emptying all the way out. I am centered. Let's get on with the show. Yoga news. This week's yoga news. February 20th was National Comfy Day. And I like a good comfort conversation. A good comforting conversation. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So I kind of wanted to talk about this. Basically, this day is all about being cozy and comfortable the there is this the comfy bros they created a wearable blanket so then they made this day to basically market their product or whatever but people still take this day as the opportunity to wear cozy things be in cozy blankets eat comfort food do comforting things and i am with it sometimes It is necessary to lean into comfort, but then there are other times where it's necessary to lean into discomfort. So for this yoga news, I basically just kind of wanted to explore this topic, ask a few questions, kind of give you guys something to think about, maybe to journal, journal about, have a conversation with yourself. Comfort feels good. All of us want to do what's comfortable we're seeking we're seeking comfort everything that we naturally do is in the direction to bring us comfort whether that be through food or substances or activities or people i don't know there's a lot of different things that could make us comfortable when i first saw this i was thinking like Oh yeah, yoga makes me comfortable in my body. And it's like in one aspect, yes, but then in other aspects, maybe not. And I'm not going to say yoga. I'm not going to say yoga. I'm going to say movement because that's, that's where my journey started. It started with movement. It did not start with yoga. So I'm thinking exercise, movement, it makes me comfortable in my body. And look, in one aspect, yes. But then in other aspects, no. So in yoga, and I'm sure a lot of people have learned about this or been faced with this, but in yoga, I learned it as finding your edge. The line between pain and challenging yourself. I hate to say it, but there is no growth in comfort there's no growth in the comfort zone all growth is 
innately uncomfortable. People say growing pains for a reason. But the question here is, how uncomfortable should I be to grow? How easy should growth feel? And I can't answer this for anybody. Like, I can't give you the answer. Like, only you know how easy it should feel. But I know for myself, real sustainable growth, it feels easy enough for me to keep doing it, but uncomfortable enough to where I am progressing forward into where it's a little bit different than what I'm normally doing to where it's like it feels like a stretch like stretching does not feel painful to me a little uncomfortable but not painful just a good question for you to kind of ask yourself when should I step out of my comfort zone? Only I can answer this for myself. I can't answer this for you guys. I mean, I remember before I started on my fitness journey, I was really uncomfortable in my body. Like literally in my entire existence, I wanted to escape my body so bad. So I would do things that, you know, brought me comfort but that led to just more discomfort in the end, but that, that's not the point. But anyways, I was so embarrassed in my body. Like I'm the type of person now, if I go to an event or a party or something with family or friends, you just might catch me dancing and laughing and enjoying myself with the people around me. Me, Four years ago, me five, me five years ago, you wouldn't catch me doing that. I was too embarrassed in my body to move. Like I felt deep embarrassment. Like I don't want anybody seeing me doing anything in my body because literally it's just embarrassing. Like I'm a walking embarrassment. So that is how I truly felt. And I think it would be unrealistic for me five years ago to be up at these little events dancing with people like that would be way too uncomfortable that would be way out of my comfort zone I you know the comfort zone is here for a reason sometimes we need to be in the comfort zone I think the growth came on its own time I was accumulating discomfort over time enough discomfort to where I was you know, ready to grow, still trying to stay in my little comfort bubble. You know what I'm, you, you get what I'm saying? You know, I not, it's not always the best time to step out of your comfort zone. I feel like I've gone to extremes on both end of this line of the edge. So, you know, the edge is right in the middle. I've definitely gone on the other side where I'm doing everything way comfortable. I'm not doing anything. I'm not gonna challenge myself at all. I'm gonna be as lazy as I want. I'm gonna just no structure, nothing, nothing that feels like work, nothing. And then again, the edge is in the middle and I've been on the other side of the edge where I'm like, 
I'm gonna run as fast as possible, lift as much as possible. I'm gonna exert myself to the very last breath that I have. Like, I'm just gonna, like, straight up pain. Like, like, you know, I've been on both sides of that. So I am in a place where I, I wanna find that nice, that middle, because I wanna grow. I wanna keep growing, but I wanna comfortably grow. <laughs> I wanna comfortably grow if that's possible. <laughs> I said that there's no growth in comfort, but maybe it's like a little discomfort. I wanna grow with ease, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But again, it's a good question for yourself is when should I step out of my comfort zone? And to me, I just say when you're ready. Like, I think that we intuitively know when to step out of our, our comfort zone. When our comfort zone is causing way too much discomfort and bringing dissatisfaction, then hopefully we'll step out of our comfort zone. I hope that that's the case for everybody because people can hit some real, real lows in life. Good to ask yourself, when should we lean into comfort? I mean, I think that we're just going to naturally lean into comfort. I don't think we necessarily have to. <laughs> like, you know, it's just something that's just going to happen is we're going to resort to comfort. But I, it is nice to lean into it too be realistic about where you're at today and you know I there's this uh this person in one of my classes where I was teaching these movements teaching these postures and I gave a different option for almost everything I'm like oh yeah you don't have to do high plank you know fully you can just do it from your knees or you can do low lunge you don't have to do high lunge and just stuff like that and this person they did the most like challenging thing every single time and that's good good for them I challenge yourself self-improvement yay like good but during the whole class they looked like they were in excruciating pain literally grunting <sighs> just faces and I'm like are you like are you being for real like <laughs> And again, I'm like, well, no, you can do it like this. You can do it like this, you know? But this person just, they didn't want to. They did not want to take the modifications. I'd say for myself, I find that sometimes when I don't take the modifications, then I don't really reap any benefits at all. Like I'm negating the whole practice or I end up injuring myself which I've done that before where I'm, I go too hard and then I end up injuring myself and earlier I made the distinction between movement and yoga because one of my teachers said if you hurt yourself you're not practicing yoga because part of this edge like knowing when to challenge yourself it is the intuition it is in the yoking of the mind, the body, and spirit. It is in the union of your mind, body, and spirit. I think when your mind, body, and spirit are in line, then you can accurately assess how much to do and where to stop. 
I don't know. This was just a little comfort conversation. Nothing serious. Just a few questions to ask yourself. I mean, I keep coming back to this conversation in this question in different fonts between, you know, self-acceptance and self-improvement. In this case, self-acceptance is comfort and self-improvement is discomfort. It is a nice experience that I wish for everybody is that there is comfort found in the discomfort just not too uncomfortable (laughs) but where the stretch feels good there's no tearing but it's a stretch and and it feels good and you feel more open that's the comfort conversation for this episode again follow me on instagram because i'll be asking you some comfort questions this week anyways on to the personal journey i was scrolling on the gram and i'm not gonna disclose this person's instagram but um this lady she posted this reel of her talking and a long caption and at the end of the caption she asked us as yoga teachers what qualifies you to be a yoga teacher and basically her whole point was these yoga teacher trainee trainings are pumping out these yoga teachers all these graduates all these people can now become yoga teachers and Perhaps that's dangerous. I do feel a sense of responsibility as a yoga teacher to know as much as I can so I can give as much accurate information as I can and help as many people as I can. But I definitely go through an imposter syndrome where I'm like, I don't know enough. I'm not qualified enough to teach this. Like, who am I? Like, who do I think I am getting up in front of these cl- this class and telling people what to do? Like, that just is like, are you for real? <laughs> so I've been in deep thought about why I do what I do. And let me tell you this. I do not do it for the money because there, I am literally the brokest I have ever... <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm broke because, you know, everybody's like, you know, affirmations and be careful with your words. But I am at this point in my life, I have the least amount of money that I have ever had in a while. Like, I don't make that much. I've really cut down on some expenses as well because I'm like, man, I can't afford certain luxury things. So I kind of have to detach from certain habits knowing that I can't afford it because it's like this certain habit is not serving you if you can't buy your groceries and that's real but anyways like okay what qualifies me to be a teacher like what do I bring who like why am I a teacher and this and that like what qualifies anybody to be a teacher I don't know and I really reviewed it and I thought about this and it's just because I love it I love the practice I love what it's done for me and what it's done for other people and I want to help I want to help people find comfort in their bodies through movement. And I want to help myself find comfort in my body through movement. 
Does that qualify me to be a yoga teacher? I think so. <laughs> I mean, I think that everybody's qualified to be a teacher in some aspect because we all have experiences and through these experiences we gain wisdom and lessons and we can use these experiences to teach people and be like hey I did this I've been there I've done that and that sucked or that was great <laughs> And I think that that's ultimately what that is. I think the most important thing for all teachers, whoever, like you could be teaching anything, is that one, that you love people, especially the people that you're teaching and that you can empathize with them and hold space for them and that you want good for them because I'm sure that they want good for themselves. And then also the other thing that's important with being a teacher and a teacher in general, no matter what you're teaching, is that I just don't know everything and that you don't know everything either. I can't give all the information in my classes. And if there's something that I don't know and is a teacher that wants to help people, I would point you in the direction of another teacher that might know more than me. And I might be sitting on the sidelines looking to learn from them too. <laughs> so I don't know, that's just what I was thinking of when um, she asked that, like, what qualifies you to be a yoga teacher? And I feel like oh, the pressure is on, like <laughs> nothing, I don't know. But it's really just that I love the practice and I love people and I want to help and just always trying to stay humble. I don't know everything. I have more to learn. There's so much more to learn. I've barely scratched the surface. But that is why I appreciate this show so much because I get to bring on other teachers and a lot of these teachers they know more than me or they know things that I don't know that I can't give you. Like, I don't think that you realize how hard it is to pull some of these conversations out of my sleeve. I just had a whole discussion about comfort with nobody there. And it's like, what could I really say? <laughs> like, I can, I have such a limited view on comfort and on yoga and on all this stuff. I have a limited view on it. I only have my view. And that is why I love bringing on other teachers so they could teach us about practice, about yoga from their view. And with that being said, you already know what was next. Yoga Heels. <laughs> this week's guest. Lena, she was actually in my teacher training. Lena Conlin is a yoga teacher and a writer. She currently leads mindfulness in yoga and power vinyasa at Midtown in Palatine, Illinois. Her mission is to bring people together and to encourage people to find sense of mindfulness in their day. She feels that if people can leave her classes feeling happy in their bodies and in their minds, then that is her ultimate goal. 
Thank you so much for coming on the Perfect Prana Show. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. It's been way too long. How have you been since teacher training? I've been good. I kind of dove right in um, and I found that job at Midtown through a friend who worked there. And I was actually taking class at Yoga View in Wilmette. I was taking Deb's class and she, she was like, they're hiring over at Midtown. Send me your resume right now. And so I was like, okay. And then, um, it was really fun. I was really nervous for my first like audition for like a class because the last time I had done, and this was in October around October. So like the last time I had actually ever practiced really was in our last class for yoga teacher training. And then, um, yeah, I went in and I just like really rehearsed it before. And then I, I got hired and I started my first class, which was really fun. Oh my gosh. Well, congratulations. The main question that I ask everybody that comes onto the show is when did you start practicing yoga? Why do you still practice yoga today? So the when question is sort of like on and off for years, ever since I was in high school, really, because I think it was introduced in high school and then, you know, Instagram, it was very trendy. So you see stuff and you like try certain poses and things like that. So it was more self practice, self-taught. But I didn't understand, you know, as much as we learned in our teacher training of like how to even really put together a class or to even practice because I never really took a yoga class. It was very much just me seeing poses and trying to imitate them. And I was a dancer for years. So I kind of saw yoga as more of a means to become more flexible so that I could do more in dance. And it was, it was very much like, Oh, that looks like what we do in warm ups. So I kind of understand like, you know, the static stretches and things like that. And then my mom actually did a yoga teacher training and she was the one who gave me the idea. She finished hers and she was like, this is, it was amazing. It was the most life changing thing because, you know, when you, I feel like, we will all experience this when you go through yoga teacher training, you just want to talk to everyone about it. Cause it's so like magical for a while. Um, and so our training that we did together was the first time I ever really consistently took class. And the answer to why I keep doing it is like, I think, and tell me if you feel this as well, but like after I done it for almost a whole year now, it's sort of addictive. Like it it becomes like I have an itch to do a practice because the way I feel after a class or the way I feel after I, you know, just even do a couple of poses is so great. And I feel so like at home in my body and I feel very in control of, you know, my limbs and, you get, you get a very peaceful feeling. Um, at least I do after I finish a class or I finish, you know, doing my own practice. So now I can really tell, like when I go like a couple of days and I don't 
do class, I don't feel good. Like I really don't feel good mentally. I don't feel good spiritually. I don't feel good physically. My muscles start to tighten up. So I feel like I'm sort of been, I'm stuck now. Like I'm, I have to, I have to keep going. Otherwise I, I know how good I can feel. And so you kind of, you know, you're like, well, I should really go do a flow. Cause I know I'm going to get rid of this achy feeling or this bad feeling, or if I'm stressed, it's like, well, I could just go do yoga. And then I probably would feel better and be able to solve this problem afterwards. Um, I like that you said, look, it's sort of addictive. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, that really resonates with me. Uh, and I would say in general, because before the training, I was really into working out, like I'm running, I'm going to the gym and I did my, I was always like, okay, I'm going to do some yoga or like, um, some stretching after my workout. But, um, I always found like, once I found refuge and movement in my life, movement then became addictive. But the part about, I will say that separates yoga and other movement for me is that, Yoga has allowed me to have certain discussions about my life, about who I am, how I feel that um, I guess other movement hasn't really included in it. Like in our teacher training, we were having the most engaging conversations everywhere. I'm like deeply thinking about my life and Mm -hmm. how I act and how I, you know, how I behave. So addictive is the right word. I mean, I don't know. I feel like maybe there are positive addictions. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and even with you talking about the, our teacher training, I feel like part of why it is such a, an addictive type of movement, because I like what you said about how like you start to need movement in your life. Cause I think as people, we do need that, especially since society kind of forces us to not move as much. We're sitting in desks all day, whether it's school or work. Um, but like what I feel like we all experienced in our yoga teacher training, especially with that group, which was so great and shout out to everyone. I miss you all so much, but it was like, it's very emotional. It can be emotional for yourself or it can be emotional as a group. Like we were crying on the last day because I was like, no, this group of people and like the, the energy in the room every day when I would see everybody and we would just like experience something so personal, but also so like connective with each other was so amazing. And like I took Tom's Ashtanga class at the Wilmette Yoga View And, um, a couple other people from class were there and, um, and it was just so amazing because it was in one of the smaller rooms and there's no music and you can really hear everyone's breathing. And it sounds like ocean waves with the Ujjayi breaths. And like, you're in such a small room and your mats are like right up against each other. So it's like super cozy and, you can hear everybody working and you know, you're a part of that and it's really special. It's like a, it's a cool experience and you get a great workout also afterwards. Okay. Ashtanga. I have not tried it yet. And I am curious (laughs) and um, that's something I've been trying to keep like after the yoga training is just stay curious, stay learning, stay open to like all information because honestly I felt like 
you know, I learned a lot from the training, but just the way that the knowledge has grown ever since like, okay, you go off onto your own, you go into new classes and you you start teaching your own classes and doing your own readings and research. Oh my gosh. It's like the world is big. The world of yoga is big. Okay. The next, what else I wanted to ask you is, so what is something that you're currently working on within your practice? I, I would say something I'm working on is ironically mindfulness because I teach the first class I started teaching was a mindfulness and yoga class. And I'm also a writer, which is why they gave me that class because we talked about that in my interview. Um, and my hiring manager was like, Oh, I'm also a writer. So we kind of bonded over that. And then she was the one who actually reached out to me and she's like, I think this class would be perfect for you because you have to lead a guided meditation for 15 minutes at the beginning of class. So it's a very gentle flow. And the first 15 minutes, everybody just sits and it's just me talking. And I have like, you know, ambient tonal music sort of slowly coming in in the background. And I just talk about mindfulness and, and sort of walk through a, a full body scan. A lot of the time I'll just, you know, talk about trying to abandon those thoughts, letting them pass by and bringing different imagery into, um, you know, everyone's minds and stuff, which is something I really struggle with. Like the meditation part of our training was so hard for me because I didn't even realize how little I wanted to sit still and just be until, I had to do it for 30 minutes and I had, you know, the peer pressure of a room of people who also had to do it. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to be like the ones shifting around making noise and stuff because <laughs> everyone else is trying to be peaceful. And, and so it was a wake up call for me because I realized that that is an issue for me and it's so hard for so many people. And I think also very hard for like people close to our generation because we have so much technology. It's so easy to like scroll and just keep scrolling. And so, you know, every Monday morning I'm teaching this mindfulness meditation, but I know that it's something that I'm still struggling with. So I think that keeps me like seeking and like in awe, like you said, of learning more about that because everything that I'm trying to help you know, the people in my class with for having that meditation and really letting go of thoughts and feelings that might be weighing down is that I am also trying to always do that for myself every day. And so it keeps that fresh, I think, because I have an obligation to other people to be on that journey for myself so that I can give them the best class every week that they deserve. And so it's something that's really helpful for me that I have to teach that class, but also that I know I struggle with a lot. And that's why I think I try and approach it very much as like, don't be mad at yourself for not being good at this. It's really hard. And even I find it really hard. I am completely with you. I will say I feel like me teaching keeps me practicing. And I mean, I know that you know, I 
I've been dedicated to movement, so I'm going to do something every day. And I like how convenient doing yoga is for me. Um, just because, like, you, all you need is your mat. Like, it, yeah. if even that, you don't even need your mat. Like, yeah, you just you can need, just use the floor. <laughs> like, you can literally exist and practice yoga. I will say, though, like, in class, like, I will be more motivated to do some of the things that I'm, like, teaching. Or I'm like, I really want to teach this, but I have to do it understand right. it and like kind of really build my practice with this because I guess maybe I'd feel like a hypocrite or maybe I'd feel like <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you guys because I didn't do yeah. it myself so I'm like so you know teaching definitely keeps me practicing but what I wanted to ask you mindfulness I feel like it is still like hard to understand for me and like for a lot of people they're like what even is mindfulness like what does that mean so what is mindfulness to you and like what does it feel like I think a good definition of mindfulness would be being present in your mind and in your body in the exact moment that you're in and that's actually why it's such a struggle for me because I'm such a planner. I love to think ahead. And the more and more you think ahead or the more and more, you know, you're getting lost in like a doom scroll on online or you're, you know, consuming all these different types of media, you know, you're, you're watching a TV show. So you're not really in your present body, in your surroundings, you're off in some other land somewhere, or, you know, you're, looking at what's going on on the internet and like celebrity culture. And you're, so you're keeping up to date on all of that, or, you know, you're thinking ahead to like, okay, what am I going to do next week? What do I have to do? Or even you're thinking to the past where you're like reliving a conversation you had thinking of all the things you could have said that were different or having an argument with someone in your head where you're like, I should have said this because I would have gotten, you know, one over on that person or something like that, which everyone kind of has a tendency to do because we're constantly thinking about our experience. And so in class and, and just anyone who's trying to practice mindfulness, I think would try to just start to focus on like, what does my body feel like right now? Like, what are some feelings I'm having right now? And like, what do I think about them? And then can I let go of those thoughts and just sit here with my cup of coffee and and not watch a YouTube video while I drink my coffee and eat my breakfast this morning? Can I just sit and like enjoy my food and look at the sun and like enjoy the moment or, you know, sit with someone and not even really have a conversation, just like enjoy the company of someone or, you know, just like try to get rid of all of the like constant thinking and just be like, Oh wow. I love this moment. I'm never going to get this moment again. It's never going to come again. You know, we might have lots of Sunday mornings, but like this one will never happen again. So trying to just have a moment where you think about that and find times in the day to really reconnect with yourself in the present time that you're in and like how your body feels that day, how you're, heart feels that day, you know, how your spirit feels that day, like all of those kinds of things help. I think a restart is like the best way that I can explain it of how I feel. 
is that it sort of like gets you back to the starting line and then you can, you can go off and, and continue to think and plan and do all the things you have to do and, and all of that. But to have moments where you just check in with yourself can be really helpful in just eliminating anxiety or whatever might come up. So now that you're, you know, you've picked up some knowledge some wisdom about mindfulness and all that great stuff. <laughs> now that, you know, so negative things happen. Sometimes you feel you have just negative emotions in life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, life happens, things happens, or just some days you just wake up on the wrong side of bed. How do you practice mindfulness when those negative emotions are there? Because it's easy when it's like, okay, in this moment, I feel great. In this moment, the sun's shining. I feel thankful. I don't have to go to work. I don't have to go to school. I'm like, I'm just, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And you could be more in the moment. But then other times it could be like, this is happening. This is happening right now. And this is about to happen or this just happened. I just argued with this person. You know, how do you practice mindfulness in the the hard, cloudy moments? That is a great question. And it is, it isn't as easy or right as like focusing on the positive moments or when you feel good. But I think a lot of the time when you are having a negative feeling or, you know, you wake up on the wrong side of the bed and you don't even maybe know why, um, a lot of the time, I don't want to say forcing yourself because it seems, you know, very on yoga to be forcing yourself to do anything, but like really convincing yourself to sit with the uncomfortable feeling can help you get over the uncomfortable feeling. And sometimes it's not that simple because it's maybe a bigger tragedy or something that is going to persist a little bit longer. But you know, even if you give yourself like 15 seconds and you're like, I'm not going to push this feeling away for 15 seconds and I'm just going to sit and try and figure it out. Maybe you don't know why you're feeling that way and you want to try and identify it or, or you just need to feel your feeling. And a lot of the times if you just sit there and feel it or even let yourself cry or let yourself be frustrated and let the feeling be felt, it will go away or it will make sense to you. And then you can sort of address it once it makes sense to you. And even if it doesn't, you've still, you've still let yourself try, I guess, or even just connected with your body, made yourself feel, you know, capable of dealing with it. Sometimes maybe it's even just reminding yourself like, okay, I might be feeling like this, but I've gotten over things like this before. I've always been strong enough to deal with it. I've always been capable. Maybe it's about affirmations, like reminding yourself, like this may be uncomfortable. This may be hard, but I believe in myself and I know that I'm going to be able to handle this situation. That can be helpful because at the end of the day, you have to be your own advocate and best friend is, you know, what I think everyone says, you have to be your own best friend. But, um, sometimes that means like you have to go sit with yourself and be like, okay, bud, like what, what's going on here? Like, how are we feeling today? How is this? 
how is this, you know, happening for us? What do we need to do? Or maybe we just need to do a stretch or sit in a yin pose for a while and just breathe and just start to breathe and, and let your lungs inflate and deflate and focus only on that. And then you can get yourself through that feeling. Um, so yeah, I think mindfulness doesn't have to be positive. And sometimes it can be really effective if it's not positive, if it's just genuine and real for whatever you need in that moment. That's been something that I've been kind of like reviewing lately in my life. Like, how do I do? Because it is so easy when everything is nice. But when things yeah. aren't nice, it's like, uh, I don't know. And and I find that sometimes I'm forced to uh, sit in my emotions like there is no escapism for it like no matter what I eventually you do have to face some of this stuff or feel it or it's just going to come up because it's like you know I might do all this stuff to try to feel better but still not making me feel better so it's like what do what do we even do when times yeah. are hard like that um yogis don't have the answer either <laughs> no <laughs> there is no there's no amount of headstands that can get you out of, you know, a bad situation. No, seriously. So it's kind of like, you know, I will say that my awareness since teacher training and all of our practices, you know, my awareness has improved by so, so much. But um, the emotions, like they they never stop. Like I still, everybody still deals with days when it's like, ugh. I'm anxious. I'm jittery. Yeah. I don't know what to do next. So I guess, do you have any like philosophies or anything that you carry close with you um, that you keep at the forefront of your mind? Yeah, I think if it were, if I were to, I don't know if I think of it as a philosophy, but I think maybe, maybe thinking of it as a philosophy is a good thing. Um, but I definitely think something I try and bring to every class is like compassion for yourself and for the people around you. Like uh, the way that I end class every day before we say namaste is like send yourself love and light and gratitude for showing up for yourself in your practice. Because sometimes the hardest thing is getting out of bed and like deciding to go to an early yoga class. And so I kind of want to send the idea out to everyone who comes to my classes and to myself, because a lot of mornings, you know, I teach at 6.45 a.m. on Monday mornings and I'm not a morning person. So I am like rolling out of bed at like 5.40 and I'm like, this is the worst. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't wake up as the like peaceful yoga teacher that I have to be once class starts. But, um, but is that like showing up is enough a lot of the time, like just trying and, and not even finishing a full class, but even just doing a few poses or trying to do some kind of movement that day or trying to do something positive for your body. Cause yoga is a very healthy thing for people to do. It's prescribed by a lot of doctors for people with injuries for that reason. It's a very accessible form of movement for a lot of people. And, you know, there's, we talked about how there are people who do chair yoga for maybe, you know, more elderly communities and things like that. So 
you know, promoting the idea that just showing up is enough is something I think sometimes might get overlooked because, you know, you're like, Oh, I want to be able to do that pose. And I, I want to be at this goal already, but maybe celebrating the fact that you didn't decide, Oh, I'm going to blow off class today is enough to be excited about and happy. And like, that's a little win for you in the day. So I think, yeah, that would be my philosophy is showing up is enough. Showing up is not yet yeah, something's better than nothing, honestly. Yeah, even if, exactly. Even if you just show up and you just do child's pose the whole time. Yes. <laughs> okay. Sometimes that's the best class ever. I mean, that's very relaxing is to just sit in child's pose. You Maybe know, that's what you needed that day. Look, I showed up, you know, and yeah. um yes, compassion. Uh I've definitely been wanting to get as much as possible and, um, you know, receiving it and then also getting it, you know, realizing it's a two way street and like, not just giving it to other people, but like you said to yourself, you know, you find that it's cyclical. Once you're more compassionate for yourself, you're more compassionate for others and vice versa. Um, and I'm I'm recognizing it's a part of emotional intelligence, which I feel like that's almost synonymous for mindfulness. It's kind of like in the same camp to be emotionally intelligent and to know how to effectively communicate your emotions and actually solve an issue or a disagreement or whatever, there is a degree of mindfulness and being present with that person and being able to hear them and understand them, to feel for them and to vice versa. So it's um, the mindfulness practices are needed for relationships. Okay, so the last thing that I wanted to touch on today is National Comfy Day. It Hashtag is. Hashtag National Comfy Day. Oh, I love that. <laughs> what are a few things that make you feel comfortable in your body or that just, yeah, bring you comfort? I, is this like pertaining to yoga or just in general? I mean, just in general, but think, it can include yoga. So, <laughs> well, definitely doing yoga. The, the post class feeling is like when I feel the most able to do whatever I have to do that day is right after yoga class. It's such a nice, like the, I feel like my head is so clear and I feel like, you know, you during class, especially if it's like a power vinyasa or level three, um, hard class, you know, you might be standing in a pose and you're like, Oh my God, I can't do this anymore. It's so hard. Um, I'm gonna, you know, I can't do this anymore, but then, you know, once you finish class, your muscles feel all used and, and relaxed because you've stretched out and you really feel that you feel like your blood pumping through like all of your body and you just, you feel very alive, I think in those moments, at least I do. Um, and then also like just getting cuddly on the couch, lighting a candle, like making a cup of tea feels very comfy wearing like oversized sweatshirts and oversized sweatpants and just being in like a puddle of 
cozy material I feel like is when I feel the most comfy. And then, you know, having my dog on my lap and then watching a show, I feel like that's, that's a, that's a comfy vibe, maybe a snack. I don't know. I literally just made you describe your tonight plans. <laughs> yeah, now that you mention it, and now that I know it's National Comfy Day, that's exactly what I'm going to do later. <laughs> yes, very, it's definitely important to get as comfortable as possible um, in your body. And again, that's something that uh, helps us practice mindfulness. So um, thank you so much, Lena, for coming on here and talking oh exactly a half an hour I said I was going to shoot for half an hour and we're perfect we're kind of there so um there we go before we go you know I ask all of my guests if you could lead us through a pranayama and like you mentioned a mindfulness meditation for Mm -hmm. just a few breaths a few minutes or however you'd like to structure yeah yeah awesome okay so I'm going to turn on my yoga voice, which is different from my normal <laughs> voice, which I always laugh about. So yeah, but um, flutter your eyes closed. Take a deep breath in and out. Bring your awareness to the top of your head. Imagine a warm white light flickering right at the crown of your head. Take a deep breath in for one, two, three, four, hold. Exhale, two, three, four, hold. Inhale, two, three, four, hold. Exhale, two, three, four. Imagine this warm white light starting to travel down your forehead, over the back of your head, into your eyebrows, into the tops of your ears. Imagine it warming your body as it travels down your face, over the bridge of your nose, into your cheeks, into your jaw. Imagine it traveling down your neck, into your shoulders. Take one breath into your shoulders, and as you exhale, imagine any tension in your muscles melting away. Imagine this light continuing to travel over your chest, down the tops of your arms, into your torso, warming you as it travels further down your arms, into your hips, over your legs, into your fingertips, into your knees, over your calves, and into your ankles. 
Finally, over the tops of your feet and into your toes. Let this warm light encompass your whole body, warming your skin, radiating out from your being. Take a deep breath in for one, two, three, four, hold. Exhale, two, three, four. Imagine this warm white light sinking beneath your skin, into your bones, into your muscles and your organs. Imagine it sinking even deeper into the very center of your being. And now bring that white warm light into the very center of your chest. Imagine it at the very core of your being, flickering gently beneath your heart. As you bring your awareness back to your skin, back to the air around you, imagine that flickering light remaining beneath your skin at the core of your being. Imagine you carry it with you for the rest of your day. Slowly open your eyes. And yeah, that's pretty much it. And then we'll go into the rest of class usually. Thank you so much, Lena. Um, and thank you for coming on to my show, reminding us about the importance of mindfulness and how powerful the mind is through your imaginative <laughs> meditation. Yeah. So thank you so much. So yeah. thank you so much, Alina. Namaste. Thank you for having me. Namaste. Weekly wellness challenge. Last week's challenge was Brahmacharya. And look, those of you that don't know, I've been following the eight limbs of yoga, yoga philosophy for my challenge. So you know now last week i did brahmacharya which is the right use of energy or behaviors that are in line with brahman or with the divine there's so many translations for this um and i was all about getting in touch with divinity through creativity because the divine is the creator when i think of divinity when i think of god i think of the creator i think of the one who has created everything and there is divinity within us we are all creators we all create in some capacity but last week's challenge was to do something creative Get in touch with your higher spirits. Create more, consume less, or, or just, you know, create something. And <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just to create something. There was complete freedom with it. 
pasta. It could be whatever you want. You could create a meal, cook, write a poem. Writing is creative. You can uh, write a song, paint a picture. I don't like there are many options. I already said them. I think it's just intentionally being like, I'm going to be creative in some capacity this week. And because that is the divine in me. Did I do that? Did I create anything? Um, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> you know, in one aspect, yeah, like I'm literally creating a show right now like I literally create honestly this show keeps me grounded in a certain aspect because it's just like something that I have to be present for every single week <laughs> so it does keep me give me a little bit of focus and I really appreciate you guys for that so yeah but I mean it's like yeah I probably create in some capacity every single week by default because it's like okay I'm hosting this show and I create yoga classes I create yoga flows for myself I do a little dance on my own that's creative like I do you know, creative stuff um but did I do anything creative that was intentionally like okay I'm creating something for my spirit and da, 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 da. not really the week isn't over for me yet it's Thursday and I have some time to create some things not for school I'm not even going to count this podcast. I'll figure that out. Like, hmm, what can I do that's creative and that it really gets me in touch with my higher spirits? It'll come to me. I'll think about that. But I'll definitely say this show definitely is creative and it gets me in touch with my higher spirits for sure. <laughs> On to this week's challenge, Aparigraha. This is practicing non-attachment or non-greed. This is actually the last yama, so that's exciting. We'll be moving on to the niyamas yet next. <laughs> but this is the last yama, so practicing non-greed, non-attachment, this kind of goes into the comfort conversation, if you know what I mean. Because again, like we're all seeking comfort. So I think all of us have experienced over consuming something because we think that that's where the comfort is and that that's gonna make us comfortable. And it might in that second, but then sometimes no. Or sometimes we think, like in the case of like running, you know, I'm doing all this hard, gruesome, brutal workouts, trying to find comfort in my body, thinking that, okay, this workout's gonna change my body. And then once my body's changed, I'm gonna be comfortable. But in that moment, I was, literally like dying <laughs> it's just something to reflect on like i feel like that's when where greed comes from is sometimes thinking that whatever we're hoarding or whatever we're trying to get more of is is just us seeking comfort 
And can I be completely honest? I was thinking really hard about, okay, how can we practice non-greed and non-attachment? Because this is about being detached from the goal or whatever. I think being non-greedy is trusting the process and being in the moment and trusting that like, you'll be okay no matter what. If I get to this goal, I'll be okay. If I don't get to this goal, like I'll be okay. You know, greed is the line between needs and wants. Like you have what you need on the left, then in the middle, you have greed. And then on the other side of that is what you want. And then sometimes we cross that line because we just we want we want a lot and I there's nothing wrong with wanting more for yourself but again there's a line between at what point are you just being greedy you know be grateful for what you have right now right right yeah I don't know and I can't answer that for anybody only you know when you're being greedy I mean some people might classify you as greedy and that's problematic because like nobody likes greed people generally don't like greedy people so yeah and it, it, it does cause problems in relationships to come off as a greedy person ultimately though there is a line between what you need and what you want so i can't say for anybody okay now you're just doing too much now you're just being greedy maybe i could say that for billionaires i don't know <laughs> Another translation for this is non-possessiveness, if that helps anybody understand what aparigraha is. Not getting my nails done was an act of me practicing non-greed. Because <laughs> at that point, my wants were definitely harming me and it's not a need. So, but you know what I do need? I need groceries. So I had to make the decision, have that real conversation with myself. And it, who cares about this? What's the challenge this week? There is none, it's a reflection time period. And I didn't wanna do a challenge because I'm like, this is about non-attachment. I don't wanna set any type of goals to where you feel obligated or where I feel obligated to like, where I have to do something and I have to measure something. I have to have at least one journal prompt. I have to have at least one creative activity done. I have to have this done or by the end of the week to complete this challenge. Like, no, 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 there is no goal here there is no goal for this specific yama and what's funny is this week i was faced with this question from my yoga class was practicing for the sake of practicing with no goal in mind is that possible what does that look like is that necessary and sometimes it really is it's important to just do something because it makes you feel good it makes you feel good and it's not harming you. Like, I feel like that needs to be added. <laughs> like, there is no super overarching goal that I'm trying to reach. Like, zoom into the small picture right now. Like, what in this moment do you need to do to be a better person so you could be better for the world? And then, like, yeah, then you're good. You're Gucci. 
it's not that like oh once I get this billion dollars or this headstand or this iPhone or this relationship or whatever like once I get this then I'm comfortable then I'm Gucci then I'm good then I'm enough like no 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 that's that it's important to have big overarching goals but the small day-to-day steps and wins focusing in on that being in the moment practicing for the sake of practicing practicing something just because you love it it is important sometimes that's where the real growth is we can in fact be greedy with self-improvement and that's something to think about i don't know but i just encourage everybody to think about ways that they can find that line between wants and needs comfort and discomfort but there is no goal here there's nothing that any of us have to do to (laughs) initially I was thinking I don't know throw something away that you don't need this and that and don't hoard there was actually I looked up something on the internet and like ways to practice non-greed and this was actually a good one they said make a list for when you go in the store or have a set budget for when you go in the store and don't overspend or go over that amount when you go shopping like that was a good idea i mean in japanese culture they say only eat till you're 80 percent full i mean that's interesting I don't know what that feels like though because it's like only you know (laughs) you really have to be really intuitive for that that's an interesting concept because maybe you only need 80 percent of the food that you're actually eating there is no specific challenge for this week because we because we are being non-attached queens and kings Thank you so much for tuning in to the Perfect Prana show. This is the fifth episode, so you guys are some ride or dies if you're here, and I love you. Um, you're listening to the Perfect Prana show on 88.1 FM WCRX, also available on Apple and Spotify, where I post extended versions. So. If you want to hear more, then listen to Apple and Spotify because I I post the lengthy stuff. But before I go, I'd like to end with a quote. And I actually got this quote from the Holy Quran because it really ties in. And it's a very short quote. And, you know, there's a lot of different translations for this, but this is chapter two of the Holy Quran, Name the Cow. I can't give you the original language for this, but chapter two, verse 153. And I'm only taking a small part from this quote. It's just that it's just to seek comfort through patience in prayer. The translation that I have says something a little bit different. Seek assistance through patience and prayer, but in the name of comfort, 
I wanted to go with this translation because it kind of ties in with the episode and it is kind of like a reminder to kind of end this whole discussion I've been having this entire episode is that like sometimes that's where the comfort is is is, is in trusting the process that is like being patient like I know that I'm gonna get where I need to go as long as I'm doing what I, I'm supposed to be doing and I trust that I will be okay prayer prayer looks different for everybody but I recommend a prayer practice for everybody though because we take in a lot of things from this world a lot of toxicities mental toxicities and I do find that we need prayers to kind of combat that all these messages and things that we're seeing on social media and the news and wherever like in music we need prayers to combat that stuff to circulate our mind because there's a lot circulating our mind that is harmful to us so there's nothing wrong with a good little prayer whatever that looks like for you as long as it's helping you elevate then I love that to seek comfort through patience in prayer because I know again I have constantly thought so many times that comfort enlightenment this peaceful state whatever I'm looking for it is in this substance it is in this thing it's in this place it's in this time but no it's within me and I have to be patient and also have to pray with that being said may the divinity within me bow to the divinity within you namaste